0: Hi, I'm Javey Walton, Manager of Corporate Recruiting and Program Lead for Vituity's Diversity and Inclusion Program. And welcome to Real Talk, a place where healthcare professionals share stories about their real human experiences working in medicine. Today is the third of four episodes devoted to sharing the stories of a group of doctors who are kind, compassionate, driven, and smart, who lead in their fields and have given 110% of their talents to their work. Yet they have experienced bias, prejudgment, and repeated discouragement all for one reason and one reason alone, the color of their skin. The road to a career in medicine is not a short nor an easy one. And once you finally make it to your first job, you're so overjoyed with excitement to give back to the community and to serve patients. You're so ready to act on the oath for which you promised to first do no harm. So what if people mistake you for the hospital janitorial staff or the maintenance staff? What do you do when a patient requests another physician who looks like them? Certainly you're not going to let all of those years of hard studying to pass those challenging exams, the opportunity to go into the residency program of your choice, and all the personal sacrifices you made derail you because of the implicit or even at times explicit bias you receive because of your race. But what if they're intimidated because you have a poker face? What if you were the first-generation college student striving to make your family proud? What if you don't come from a long line of doctors in your family? Or if you don't look the way a stereotypical doctor might look? How do you defy the odds stacked against you before you even walk into the patient's room to establish the doctor-patient relationship? How do you build trust when the first thing they see is a perception of who you should be? Will the patient even listen and understand the information you share with them to carry out the necessary actions for care, or will they simply ask you to go get the doctor? Dr. Christopher Smith is an emergency physician on the East Coast who completed undergrad at a university that strives to bring students richly into the process of discovery, innovation, and entrepreneurship. He ultimately attended medical school only to learn the most challenging exam he'd ever faced was not from his coursework or clinical clerkship, but overcoming perceptions linked to his race this is dr smith's story
1: my story may be a little bit different than the others but i want to really talk about the issues of perception and race and how it related to me i couldn't remember too much issues that i saw regarding discrimination and racism when i was very young but I noticed the first time that it was pretty much blatantly obvious when I was, I believe, just starting high school. I moved to Maryland at the time from Philly, and I was at a bus stop. And this older Caucasian gentleman pulled up, looked at me, and said, Is this the colored bus stop? And just gave this raucous laughter and drove off. And I'm just looking kind of confused, and I turned right next to me, to the Caucasian teenager next to me, We are both kind of shrugging our shoulders, saying, we're not really, we don't really know what just happened. You know, and we were trying to understand what this guy was saying. And maybe I was too young or too naive to be upset, but I just didn't even know what to think. And I was like, well, this is an old guy. He's probably going to die soon, so whatever. That was my young, naive teenage self. Fast forward a little bit to just how perceptions are. Thinking of the news media, for example, and entertainment industry how people are perceived and how the idea of racism or discrimination is played out with the burning cross in front of somebody's yard. Um, you know, when you see people in professions, you notice that there's the Caucasian middle-aged white male that's the physician. Then you may see the struggling single mother as a minority female, or you may see the minority male as being as a criminal. Um, and you see those things growing up, and it becomes quasi-normative as to saying that this is what people view the world to be like. And just like how we have patients that we see, even in the emergency department, how they expect, oh, you can do a scan and look for everything and look for cancer, you know, because I saw that on this episode of Name Whatever Healthcare drama show where they have the ED doctor that does the surgery, that does the cancer treatment, that sleeps with the nurse in the closet, like, you know, all that drama stuff that happens. And so they expect that to be reality. And... The interesting thing that I kind of thought of was that, well, since the general population thinks of just the reality of medicine and then when people are looking at things like cop shows or lawyer shows and thinking that's the reality of how it works or how CSI works, how they can solve the case in 20 minutes before the episode ends, think about how people are portrayed or different ethnic backgrounds are portrayed. This is how people perceive how people are. And so... Fast forward to when I was through med school. And by the way, I was one out of two black men in my class at med school, which was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> that shows that there's a pretty huge systemic issue in medicine. But when I was a resident, you know, you're a resident, you're chronically exhausted. Uh, so, you know, most residents kind of linger around the coffee shop, especially emergency medicine, before they start their shift. You want to caffeinate up or whatever vice you have. So I'm there waiting in line, just trying to get my coffee where there was um a customer there and I'm in scrubs she comes up to me and says hey do you mind um you know someone spilled some coffee on the floor do you mind cleaning it up and so i said oh well sure i'll i'll let someone know to help clean it up she's like well no if you can clean it up that'd be great you know i don't want anybody slipping and i you know it just doesn't look good and i said um, sure i can get some napkins or i can try to call somebody you know and The coffee person, the coffee guy who knows me, you know, was like, hey, Dr. Smith, is there an issue? And the lady's face turned red as a lobster. And she was like, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You know, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. And, you know, in my mind, I'm saying, okay, very quickly, you know, I'm, I'm moving a mile a minute in my head. How do I respond to this? You know, do I respond, you should be sorry, you know, Are you some type of idiot? Or, you know, how do I respond to this? So I said, nope. And I was like, you know, it's okay. No worries. Uh, You know, these things happen. These things happen. And that is the biggest issue that I see because it's the norm. Um, You know, I've seen it happen too many times when it happened to myself. And I go back and I kind of replay that moment in my head a lot. Um, That happened between 2010 and 2012, maybe. But it happened around that time. And I'm like, okay, wow, that was almost 10 years ago. And people are still having these implicit biases. And I understand that you know, implicit biases kind of help us navigate and kind of make shortcuts quickly through life. Um, and everybody has them. But it just becomes a certain issue where it continually happens to a group of people. And I didn't think it necessarily affected me as much until I keep replaying it in my mind. And Given a lot of the things that have been evident within 2020, just with more blatantly obvious signs of discrimination and bias, and it just gets a little frustrating. And I think, you know, I'm not just speaking for myself, but, you know, for the other docs on the panel, it's just a very frustrating thing to say, well, this happens. Do I need to suck it up and deal with it? Or what do I do as a physician, whether I'm a resident or an attending? Same thing. It's not... Am I the nurse? I know sometimes that happens with a lot of female physicians, and um, not just minorities, but in general. But also, you know, thanks for taking the trash. Are you going to come get it? Where's my doctor? I'm like, oh, no, I'm actually your doctor. And so you try to figure out, how do I respond to this? I know people are sick, especially in the emergency department. They're sick. They may not be thinking straight. You know, I'm not trying to to mess with the doctor-patient relationship because it's so fragile because you have a patient that's trying to tell you the most intimate details of their life to someone they barely even know. You know, do I respond emotionally and say, no, I'm your doctor, how could you think this way? And then it can color the way, hate to use the word color, but it does color the way the interaction may go and it can actually hinder patient care. And that's what I'm here to do. So it feels like sometimes you're even at odds of your own oath that you take. And it's that division, it sometimes it feels like you're in enmity with yourself, or at least me. Do I just suck it up like I've been sucking it up for most of my life? I don't feel that's right. Do I speak out emotionally and then be accused of being unprofessional, being the angry black man? And I really don't have an answer to that, you know, because you got to take care of the patient. I think many of our colleagues deal with something very similar. How we respond to that is something that needs to be addressed. This is an issue many persons of color, not just in the medical profession, but in many different professions are dealing with it and to deal with it silently is a bit of a travesty. And so just trying to have people understand where we're all coming from. You could be the most colorblind person that you claim to be, but have enough insight to say, I have an implicit bias that I can try to address it to try to make it better. You have no idea what kind of difference that can make. Uh, But I think with this conversation that we're starting, hopefully that it can reach people to look at themselves take some serious introspection because many people, especially myself are very, very frustrated. And I'm not saying I have an answer, but I believe that the way to move forward is just like Dr. Provo said, this is everyone's responsibility. It's not just a minority's responsibility because we have to work better together in order to progress. And we've made some changes But we can't be comfortable um, with the changes that have been made so far because, you know, just hearing everyone's story, it's still happening. And these are just a few stories that I pointed out. I could talk about my guidance counselor for college. Uh, You know, (laughs) I could talk about my experiences in medical school. But hopefully with this conversation, we can actually start making some progress.
0: Dr. Smith's story highlights one of the ways perceptions hidden as implicit bias are faced by Black physicians, Black men, and to be honest, Black people every day. We as Black people have become so desensitized to many of these stereotypes that our go-to response is, that's okay, these things happen, it's the norm. Is it possible that we are so exhausted from not being our authentic selves at times that we rather make others feel comfortable just to keep the peace? Perception and reality are two different things. Not every young Black male limits their aspirations to only becoming a rapper or a professional sports player. And the reality is, color does exist. And it's typically the first thing someone notices. Is this the colored bus stop? The encounters Dr. Smith describes as he walks us through two real experiences of both explicit and implicit bias are all too common for Black men and all Black people. Just picture yourself, young, driven, and overcoming socioeconomic circumstances on the path to a successful career, all to not be acknowledged, to not be validated, to not be valued, or recognized for the title or degrees you've earned. Again, we cannot ignore the likelihood that these perceptions were likely prompted by Dr. Smith's race. In an article entitled, An American Crisis, The Lack of Black Men in Medicine, Dr. Cato Lawrenson and Marsha Murray explains the current state of diversity within the United States medical workforce does not reflect representative numbers of the Black male population. Their research shows that data trends in the areas of discrimination, incarceration, health disparities, and mortality with respects to Black men, and the lack of Black males applying to medical school is in fact an American crisis. While only 37.8% of Black men are applying to medical school in comparison to 57% of white men, Black men make up less than 7% of students enrolled in U.S. medical schools. And as you heard from Dr. Smith, he was one of two Black men in his medical school class. Why is that? Blacks and African Americans comprise of about 13% of the U.S. population, yet we are only 4%. That's right, only 4% of American physicians and less than 6% of medical school graduates are black. Why is that? According to the former AAMC chief diversity officer, Mark Nevitt, and I quote, talent is universal, but the opportunity is not. Let me leave you with this. We know there are many systemic structural challenges that need to be removed, not just in medicine, but several sectors of our nation. But to really be advocates of change, we need to provide opportunity where it intersects in the early stages, introducing young Black boys and young Black girls to Black doctors very early on so they can see there is opportunity to defy the odds that are stacked up against them since their birth. What if we began to connect with counselors in schools and educational programs to create career days and other pipeline programs for Black students? What if we mentor young Black students in high school and explain the academic process to becoming a physician? Silence is not an option anymore. We must do more. And this is our opportunity to make change. Thank you to Dr. Christopher Smith for sharing his story with us, to the team at Vituity for their support of this podcast, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and to all of you for listening. I'm Javay Walton, and this is Real Talk.
1: Want to connect with the Real Talk podcast or record your story with us? Start at realtalk.transistor.fm, or you can follow the link in the show notes for this episode.